Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Oh, please sit, sit, sit back down. Sit back down. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your, thank you for your love. I appreciate it very much. But you didn't know me before Jesus came into my life or you wouldn't do that. <laughs> Amen. It's good to see. How many of you are, are fresh blood, I mean, are, are new to my ministry? How many of you have never heard me speak before? Let me see your hands. Okay. Lock the doors. Amen. Let me read you five things, four things I really want to say, four things I really want to get said today. I don't know if I'll be able to cover all of them in detail, but there are some really important things. This stems from our righteousness by faith. This stems from how a person is made righteous, how a person comes to, comes to know the Lord Jesus. And the Bible says that there's coming a day, it says in Romans chapter, um, Hebrews chapter 8, that there is coming a day when all shall know me meaning all of God's people shall know me from the least to the greatest. And this is a promise of the new covenant. I don't have to get you to know the Lord. That's not my job. And he said, and further on in that, that chapter 8 of Hebrews, it says, you will not say to each one, will not say to his brother, you need to know the Lord. Because if he's a brother, it's assumed he knows the Lord. All shall know me from the least to the greatest. We don't emphasize this enough. I think if you are born again, if you are saved, if you have named the name of Christ over your life, believe that he died for your sins, that he was buried and he rose again the third day. This is a gospel if you hadn't heard it lately. Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This is a simple gospel. And if this is true for you, that means that you do know God. You do know God. And everybody knows that the Lord knows them. That's why most of us don't pray. So the reason, reason most of us don't pray is because we know God knows us. Yeah. And we're still hiding behind our fig, fig leaves. <laughs> I was afraid. It's because we've been so brainwashed by religion to think that God is still all, this, all messed up about our sins. Brainwashed by religion to think that God hadn't gotten over it. That somehow there's something you've got to do to get Him over your sins. Brainwashed by, by religion, and it's everywhere. This, this unbelief is everywhere, and it's a shame. But, but it, it keeps me, gives me job security because I, t- I teach faith. That means there's always going to be a need out there, it seems like, for the body of Christ to hear the faith message. You've got to hear this faith message. You've got to hear this faith message. It's, it's, not, it's not one of the many subjects of the Bible. It is the subject of the Bible. Well, preacher, I'm with you. I don't care if they like it or not. I, I think you're doing a good job. All right. Encourage myself. I want to say these four things. Faith is the substance of your future. Faith refuses input from the natural world. Faith comes by continually hearing the Word of God, and faith is activated by your confession. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 1, chapter 11, I'm sorry. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. I asked Heather how long I could preach. She said, oh, you can just preach as long as you like to, Pastor John. You can just preach and preach and preach. You can just preach, preach, just preach as long as you want to. She said, now, they're going to get up and leave about noon. <laughs> but you can just preach all you want to. So, 
I'll, I'll, try to get, I'll try to get through sometime about the same time y'all start leaving, okay? <laughs> Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance. Okay, so faith is not ethereal. Faith is not gaseous. Faith is a substance. Faith is a substance. Everybody stomp a foot. Stomp a foot. That's substance. Faith is just as substantive as that which you're standing on or what you're sitting in. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. Any Dallas Cowboy fans in the building? Now don't say anything until I get finished here. How many of you hope Tony Romo takes us to a Super Bowl last year? You're not crazy, are you? That's why you don't hope for last year. What are you hoping Tony Romo does this year, next year? Okay. If we can just keep those Sooners in place and keep them from pulling our best players away. Uh, Bradford, I want to punch him in the nose. No, you don't hope for what's past. You hope for what's coming. Faith is a substance of things. But you hear people say on a regular basis, well, I believe the miracles of the Bible. Which direction is that? Is that out in front of you or is it behind you? That's behind you. I believe the miracles of the Bible, but I don't believe they're for today. Let me wrap my little Oklahoma brain around this. Faith is a substance of things that used to be or the things we're hoping for. If you don't believe the miracles are for today, trust me, they won't bother you. You won't ever have any. You won't have to deal with them. If you don't believe prosperity, the miracle prosperity is for you today, don't worry about it. You won't have, you won't have to mess with it. It won't, it won't come. If you don't believe healing is for you, you're going to die sick. Believe whatever you want to believe. But faith is a substance. That means it's real and it has real impact. It's tangible. In the spirit realm, it's tangible. It's the tangibility of the spirit and nothing else is. Just faith. And faith is a substance of things that you're hoping for. What's coming, glory to God. Mm. So, it's not just another message. This is the way you live your life. Because... Ladies and gentlemen, if you had not heard me say this yet, you're going to hear it now. Your life will go in the direction of that which you truly believe. And what you believe is dictated by what you constantly hear and confess. Because you may not always get, be able to get to the preacher. But you can get to your own mouth. You hear me? You can get to your own mouth. You can hear what your own mouth is saying. So your faith is dictated by what you constantly confess, what you let yourself hear. Amen. And you hear so much of everything. I'm not opposed to anybody on the television. Well, one person. But, but we just have a State of the Union once a year, so it's okay. But I know most of you love Fox News. Most of you do. But, and it's okay. I, okay, I, I'm in. I like it. It's all right. Except it's driven by fear. I think it's the very best news agency out there. But it's still driven by fear. Imagine what the others are doing. They're all driven by fear. Everything in this world is driven by fear. We run here, we run there, run here, run there. Because we're afraid. We're like squirrels gathering up nuts. 
Let me ask you, and then forgetting where we put them. I have that somewhere. I got all this junk, you know. Especially, especially if you went through the Great Depression. Not the one of 09, but I'm talking about way back there. If you went through the Great Depression, you tend to hoard things. How does he know, Mildred? I know. Because there's something worse than going through the Great Depression. That's being raised by somebody who did. Fear drives it. Well, it happened before. It could happen again. Yeah. And I know that. And I know I had a conversation with one of my best buddies before church that this country is broke. This country is broke. You need to know that. You need to know that. This country's broke. Broke, broke, broke. We're just, we're, we're cutting checks now. What are you going to do with your money? We've already taken up the offering, so relax. <laughs> All right, I'm reaching in. No, but what are you going to do with your money? This country's broke. You want a bunch of worthless paper laying around? Huh? Why don't you put it into the kingdom? Why don't you do something to win some souls? Why don't you do something to help the body of Christ? Why don't you do something to further God's, God's cause, God's purposes in the earth? Amen. Do it while you can. Do it while you can. Because time is running out. That's not fear talking. That's just a fact. Time is running out. We've got to keep looking forward. Stop looking back. Faith is the substance of your future. It's not about where you've been. It's about where you're going. I need to remind you this. Some of you heard me talk about this. But the second most often mentioned name in the Gospels is not Peter, not James, not John, not Mary. The second, you know what the first most often mentioned name in the Gospels is. What? Come on, say it. I love that name. Most often mentioned name in the Gospels, Jesus. The second most often mentioned name in the Gospels is Moses. In the Gospels, Moses is more mentioned than any other name besides Jesus. Moses, why? Why Moses is talked about so much in the Gospels? You know why? Because he's a big deal. He's a big deal. He's the biggest deal of the Old Testament. He, we wouldn't even know about Abraham had Moses not told us about him. We wouldn't know about Isaac and Jacob and Judah and Joseph. We wouldn't even know these stories if Moses hadn't told us about them. There's all these great people in the Bible that Moses taught us all. He's a big deal. wrote the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch. The Jews call it the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Wow. Wow. But when they got ready to... And, and did he deliver them? What does Moses... Anybody know what Moses means? It means drawn out. Well, that's his name. It means drawn out. What's this action? Drawn out. Where, where was, Egypt, where was uh, uh, Israel? Where was the children of Israel? They were in Egypt. What did he do with them? His name coincided with his mission. The exodus, drawn out. Not just kicked out. That's different. He was in front of them, leading them out, drawing them out. His name was his mission. And most of us feel much more comfortable, it seems, talking about where we've been and all Jesus saved us from and how bad we were. And thank you, Jesus, for redeeming me and saving me from my sins. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying it is too, too much of a focus on your past. Jesus, when they got ready to name him, they did not name him Moses Messiah. I like the sound of it, frankly. Moses Messiah. You know, the alliteration of it. 
Eminem. I, I just like the way it sounds. I like the candy. I like the singer. It's... I mean, it, it, just, it just has a ring in Moses Messiah. But they didn't name him Moses Messiah, did they? Because they, God did not want you thinking about all the time where you've been and about your past. They named him after Moses' successor. Jesus' name is Joshua, meaning he's not named after the guy that brought them out. Hello. He's named after the guy that took them in. Hallelujah. Moses... Brought them out, but Joshua took them in. And hear me, until Jesus came, all Abraham's faith had done was helped him escape the fire. It had not taken him to heaven. Only until his Joshua Messiah went into hell and brought him out and took him to glory, then could Abraham and all who had died in faith beforehand go to glory. God did not save you just to bring you out. He saved you to take you someplace. Faith is not the substance of where you've been. Faith is about where you're going. Glory to God. Glory to God. Don't mind if I do, praise God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. I hope the Cowboys win next year. I'm really good at this, too, because I've been doing it for like 20 years and it hadn't happened yet. <laughs> Getting good at this hoping for the future. <laughs> Take your Bible now turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Going to hear a second thing about our faith. 2 Corinthians 5. I hope to inspire you today. Sometimes I teach, sometimes I like to inspire people. I want to inspire you. I want you to see miracles happen in your life. Because not, every, not everybody is, is adept at telling people about Jesus. But let me say this to you. You may not feel like you're equipped to win somebody to the Lord or to even witness. But let me just say what old W.A. Criswell, the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas, said. He was years ago. He, he's really why First Baptist Church became so worldwide famous. He taught his people, there is no bad way to tell a lost man about Jesus. I mean, if all you can do is, is say Jesus and then get your foot in your mouth, that's close enough. Do something. Say something. Because there's no bad way to tell a lost person about Jesus. I love that. There are better ways. There are better ways. There's only, there's only good and to get better from there. There's no bad way to do it. Just do it. Do something to express your faith. And I'm going to help you with that today. Faith, it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith, meaning that faith is a walk. We walk by faith, not by sight. How many of you can get out of your bed at night with no lights on and walk to the bathroom without tripping over something. How many of you can? Most of you can. I can. I, 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 I do it from time to time. The older I get, the more often I do it. <laughs> Getting good at it. <laughs> All the men know what I'm talking about. You go, it pitched black. I live in the country now. I mean, country, country, Oklahoma. 
Y'all don't know nothing about country. Oklahoma's got country. <laughs> and it's dark up there at night. And you just kind of feel your way around somehow and get to the potty with, with no light. The eye's not working. Somehow you know it's there, though. <laughs> Sometimes I... I'm, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> You know, you know it's there. <laughs> because you've had experience. This is something like walking by faith, not by sight. When you're in a dark area, taking off running full speed is probably not on the list of things you think you need to do right now. Yeah. Unless there's a tiger. We don't have tigers in Oklahoma, so I never think about that. I'm thinking, walk slowly. He did not say that we run by faith. He did not say we fly by faith. He did not say any of that. It said we walk by faith. And sometimes a walk is slow. Sometimes it can be faster. Most of the time, you're walking a little bit more deliberate because, because, you don't know what the next step is going to be. This is how faith works. Well, if I give my heart to Jesus, He's going to make me go to the Philippines as a missionary. <laughs> exactly what kept my dad from walking with the Lord for many years because he was afraid that God was going to send him back to the Philippines because that's where he'd served in World War II. He, he as much as said so. He said, I just you know, didn't know where he's going to, what he's going to do with me. i just afraid. That's a walk of faith. That's what, walk, that's what walking by faith means. You don't always see what's out there. All you really know is the next step. I just know the next step. I feel the next step. It's shadowy. It's dark. But I'm out here. And I'd rather be out here by faith than anywhere else walking in the light. Hear me. I noticed something about this verse. I used to think that the opposite of faith was fear. Then I got to think, no, it's not really fear. Fear brings unbelief. So, so the opposite of faith is unbelief. Then I thought, well, it might be something more. The truth is, what this says, the opposite of faith is sight. We walk by faith, not by... Huh. And I got to noticing that it was my sight that let fear and unbelief into my life. My senses, and the sight just represents all of your senses. When you let your senses dictate to you what is, your faith stops. At the moment, you say, I know what I'm looking at. I believe it when I see it, all that kind of thing. Let's put up John chapter 20 up there. In verse 21. John chapter 20 and verse 21. I'll walk you through this little story. Jesus appearing to the eleven. Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you. That means God got over everything that you think He's not over. When Jesus says peace be to you, He means, the Greek word is Irene. It's E-I-R-E-N-E. Your aunt Irene is named after this word. It means peace. But it's not just shalom peace. Shalom peace is uh, 
may you have nothing missing, nothing broken, you know, all good in your life. It's kind of a personal sort of thing. It's a personal greeting. Use it as a personal greeting. But this, when Jesus says it, and Paul uses it in virtually every letter he writes to open his letter, peace from God our Father. It's the word irene, and it means, its definition is, an end to the rage and havoc of war, a state of national tranquility. What he's saying is, when he says peace from God our Father, he's saying God and all of heaven is at peace with man and all of the earth. From God's perspective, sin has been abolished. And all that went wrong has been righted because now there's a man, a man seated at his right hand. A God man, but still a man. Born of a woman. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And notice the next thing, verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now you all know that sometime in the next month or so, they received the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So you know that is not what he was talking about here. Not if he breathed on them. And the word breath is the same word as the word spirit. Numa, He was breathing into them the Spirit. Why? Because there's two ways you receive the Spirit. First, you receive the Spirit in regeneration when you're born again. Your inner man has to become a new man. And that can only be done by the Spirit. You're born again of the Spirit of God. If you're not born again of the Spirit of God here today, I have good news for you. I have an invitation to make for you that you can come to know Jesus as your personal Savior. You have to believe that He died for your sins, that He was buried, and He rose again the third day. But when that happens for you, you will become a brand new creature because the Spirit of God will come in with the message. It is the power of God to save you. You won't have to do one thing to make it happen. Just believe the message because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He said to them, receive you the Holy Ghost. And so he breathed on them to receive the Holy Ghost. I'm convinced that he was making them new creatures right there. I'm convinced that he was regenerating their hearts right there because this was not the baptism of the Spirit that didn't speak in tongues here. That was later, that was a month later or so. Why would he do that with them and not you? Why would he need to breathe on them and not you? Let's read on. Verse 23. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. Whoever sins you retain, they retain. Verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Verse 25. The other disciples therefore said to him, Hey, we've seen the Lord. He said, I won't believe it unless I stick my hand in the fingerprints and into his side. I will not believe. Read on. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. He's hung up on his peace thing. He wants you to get the the message. This is not a mere greeting with the Almighty God showing up talking to you. He's saying, I'm really over it. You don't have to be afraid. I'm not going to kill you. I know every stupid thing you've ever done, and I don't care because I've already paid the penalty for it all. You've got to hear this message, what the gospel really means. Be not, then he said to Thomas, reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, reach hither my ha- thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. 
Thomas says, My Lord, my God. Jesus is more than just a king. He is God. My Lord and my God. Notice what Jesus says. Tommy boy, because you've seen me, you believe. The blessing, read it for yourself, the blessing is on those who believe who have not seen. The reason Jesus had to breathe on them was because they couldn't believe without seeing. They couldn't believe on Jesus like you do. They're standing there looking at him. They're looking at him. There's no way to enact your faith. You can't stand there with a coffee cup and say, I believe there's such a thing as a coffee cup. They're going to call you crazy, and you will be. You don't have to believe in coffee cups. You know about coffee cups. Knowledge and faith are two different things. Everybody understand what we're saying here? They could not believe on Jesus for the blessing. They could only believe on Jesus having seen him. Of course they believe in Jesus. He's standing right in front of them. So he just, by grace, breathed upon them to have them be regenerated in heart so they could later receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost like you have. Amen, amen. Amen. One thing goes before the other. You can become a brand new child of God today. If you've never received the, the Lord into your life, you can today. This, this, you don't have to live the rest of your life this way. You don't have to live the rest of your life without God. You were intended, you were created for God's presence. You were created this way. You, were cre- you weren't created with a hole in your heart, but it got there by, by Adam and Eve. Unbelief. The real first sin was unbelief. Yeah, it manifested in them stealing a piece of fruit. It manifested by them stealing a piece of fruit, but it was not really the first sin. The first sin, the first sin was when Eve stopped believing what God had said and started believing what the devil had said. That's why God makes it all about faith. That's how mankind walked away from him. That's how he demands we come back. Walked away from him believing on a tree. You've got to come back believing about another tree. Glory to God. Come on, somebody say amen. That was, that was worth coming to church for all by itself, wasn't it? Glory to God. Glory to God. We walk by faith, not by sight. And I'm almost finished. The third thing is that faith refuses input from the natural world. That was the second thing, I'm sorry. Faith refuses input from the natural world. The third thing is that faith comes by continually hearing the Word of God. Let's take our Bibles real real quickly. I can turn to Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Romans 10, 17. It says, so then faith comes by... If faith is this this important of a subject, shouldn't we know how how to get it? Shouldn't we know how to keep it? Shouldn't we know how to get more of it? Shouldn't we know how to turn it loose and use it? Most people have no idea how faith comes because most people pray and ask God to give them faith. Now, think about this. Faith is not, God does not hear the prayers of the faithless. Y'all out there? Okay. I thought you left. It is after 12. Because if God heard the, fa- the prayers of the faithless, 
Islam would have already taken you over by now because they pray a lot more than you do. Yes, they do. They outpray you. They pray longer. They pray more sincerely. They pray harder. But none of those things are what makes God answer prayer. Praying hard, praying long, praying loud. None of that makes God. None of that means anything to God if there's not faith involved in it. So if you're praying for faith, you're admitting you don't have faith. In the very prayer you're at. <laughs> How's that work? How's it working for you? It's not working for you, is it? No, no, no. Praying for faith is wasted prayer. Gordon Lindsay wrote this 40 years ago. Praying for faith is wasted prayer. It is. Because faith doesn't come by praying about it. It's not how you get faith. Faith comes one way. Everybody hold up one finger. I want you to get this. Faith works comes one way. By hearing and hearing the Word of God. We think prayer makes faith work. Pardon me, on the contrary, faith is what you, makes your prayers work. Yeah. Amen. God didn't give you prayer to talk to him about how, how little faith you had. He gave you prayer to employ the faith you do have to help somebody else to make a difference in the world. Amen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Yeah. Your faith grows as you hear the promises of God. The reason why Israel wouldn't fight the giant on the day David showed up out there as a teenage boy is because they'd been listening to the giant for 40 days. And David didn't say, I'm specially anointed to take on the giant. He didn't say that. Although he was already anointed king of Israel because that was in 1 Samuel 17 where the giant shows up. And it was 1 Samuel 16 where David was anointed. So he did have the anointing. But that's not the basis on which he showed up to fight the giant. That was not the basis on which he showed up to fight the giant. David shows up out there. They've been listening to the giant for 40 days and it's turned them all into cowards. He shows up out there and says, wait a minute. Who is this? What was the thing he called Goliath? What's the word? Shout it out. Shout it out real loud. Uncircumcised. This uncircumcised. This guy without a covenant. Who does he think he is? And who do you think he is? He doesn't have a covenant. He doesn't have a chance. Any one of you covenanted men could rise up and take his head off. But none of them would because they weren't thinking about their covenant. They were thinking about what he was saying. Am I helping you today? I know that sickness and I know that pain and I know that bill and I know that telephone call and that envelope in the mail. I know these things talk to you and they talk to you loudly. But you've got to learn how to talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That was good. You've got you you to learn how to talk to them. Glory to God. Amen. David shows up on day one. He said, let me at him, let me at him, let me at him. I just want to kill him. I just want to take him out. I'm through listening to him. That's the difference between the winners and the losers. It's not how powerful you all you are. It's really about what you believe. Remember. And I'm almost done. Tell two people, he has preached the truth. Tell somebody else, he has preached the truth. All right. Got that settled. Numbers 31, 12 spies went up into the promised land. They brought back a report. You'll remember the story. 
10 of them came back with an evil report, which means they came back saying the wrong thing. Two of them came back saying the right thing. They had a good report. Can anybody name those two? Everybody can name those two, huh? Everybody can name those two. Name me one of any of the others. <laughs> Their names were Who Cares and Nobody. They're nobodies. We don't care. We didn't memorize their names because they faded into the pages of Holy Writ without ceremony. But we can't get over Joshua and Caleb. Ten of them came back saying the wrong thing. Two of them came back saying the right thing. But don't you ever forget, they had all seen the same thing. Joshua and Caleb weren't running around some other place. They were all out there together. They'd all seen the same thing. So their report could not have been based on what they had seen. Their report was based on what they believed about what they had seen. See, you can say there's a lot of people that believe Jesus died and a lot of people that believe that he, he, he was buried and a lot of people even believe that he rose from the dead and a lot of people believe he's sitting in heaven right now. But that doesn't mean they're saved. Because you have to know something more. You have to believe something more about this. It's not enough just to be able to report the facts and the history of the gospel. You have to, you have to be, make sure that you talk about the, the gospel itself. Because Christ did not die, Christ be buried, and Christ rise again from the dead and call that the gospel. Christ died for our sins. That's the gospel part, y'all. That's the gospel part. It was for us. So what you believe is all important. You can have the facts and not have the truth. All right, tell somebody he has preached the truth. It's about what you believe. Here, people talk about Jesus all the time. Wouldn't know him from Adam. Or from the last Adam. So you activate your faith with your confession. That's the final thing. Your current struggles can't define you. Your education can't define you. Your culture can't define you. Your money or lack thereof can't define you. Your faith defines you. Your faith defines you. What you believe is the substance of your life. Your future is not dictated by your past. Your life will go in the direction of that which you truly believe. And what you believe is dictated by what you constantly confess and hear. Faith is the substance of your future. Faith refuses input from the natural world. Faith comes by continual hearing the Word of God, and faith is activated by your confession. All right, tell somebody, he has preached long enough. All right. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful moment. I have a solemn invitation to make. You've been invited several times here to come to events here at One Cause Church. But it's my opportunity, my blessing, and I consider it an honor to invite you to something greater. As great as these events are that we're having here, it's more important that you get an invitation to come to know Jesus, to come be a part of the family of God, to come into the family 
one simple way, the way everyone in this room already has. By faith. By saying, I just determined to have my heart believe. I believe that what Christ did, I've always, I've always, I've always believed about Jesus, but I never believed in Christ. Not today, I believe in Him. I believe Christ died for my sins. And I receive Him as my Savior. If you're wanting to say that, if this is something that's touching your heart right now, you say, that's me, preacher. You're talking to me. I, I came to get it right today. I came to settle it once and for all. I'm tired of laying my head on my pillow at night and wondering what would happen if I died in the night. I'm going to pray a prayer here in just a moment. And you can be part of that prayer. You can be part of a prayer that will take you from darkness to light, from death to life, from hell to heaven. And have your eternity sealed by the goodness and grace of God. Not on the basis of what you do, but on the basis of what you believe about what Christ did for you. You've heard the gospel here today. I'm going to ask you, would you give your heart to Jesus today? Would you open your heart and say, come into my life? Who here in this room will lift a hand and say, you're talking to me, preacher. All heads bowed. I want you, I want you to give, give a space for this. Give a, an honor to this moment. You're here and you say, that's me. Lift a hand. Lift a hand right now, right where you are. God bless you. Other hands. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you for raising your hand. Let's all pray a prayer together. These that have raised their hands, we're going to pray together. Dear God in heaven, I ask you to come into my life in the name of Jesus. I believe the gospel that Christ died for my sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. I believe in a new man that lives on the inside of me now. Jesus, be Lord of my life. I'm through with the devil. I'm through with the flesh. I'm through with this world. Heaven is my home. I live by faith from here on out. In Jesus' name, amen. Heather, stand up here just a minute. For those of you, and I couldn't see, either, there were a few people who raised their hands today. God brought you here to this place to bring you to this moment of faith. And it's real. How many of you had this moment with your, in your own life? Let me see your hand. Not, not today, but I mean some other time you had this moment. See, you're in good company. You raised your hand today, you're in good company. We were all headed the wrong way, and we needed somebody to confront us with the gospel. If you're here today and you prayed this prayer, what that means is God brought you here to this church to get you started here. There were preachers, hey, there were preachers on the radio when you were coming to church, but you didn't get saved then. You got saved here. So I'm introducing you to your new pastor. Well, her husband's really the pastor, but... And by the way, if you come here today and you're a first-time visitor and I saw that a lot of hands went up, please come back and give this church another chance. Don't judge them by what you heard here today. <laughs> they have a wonderful pastor. He's really quite amazing. He's my son. But I want you, I want you, if you, if you made a commitment to Christ today, if you came to Jesus today, before you leave the building, you need to come and introduce yourself Pastor Heather here. Okay, will you do that? Will you do that? All right, God bless you. Thank you, Heather, for having me.
Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.